0: growing in God's Word, and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh.
1: If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, most people would say, you know what, I want to honor God in the way I handle all the different situations and settings and relationships that I have. I want to honor God in that. So persecution, in a sense, is a connection to a relationship with somebody that may be antagonistic or coming against us. So how do I thrive in the middle of that.
0: Have you ever been in a situation where you were afraid to share the truth with someone because you didn't know how they would respond? Probably most of us have. But when it comes to the truth of the gospel, can the person we're talking with really afford for us to hold back the truth?
1: Listen, no matter how genuine, how sincere your religious beliefs are, if they are not based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, they're wrong and you're lost. No matter how good you are, You are a hell-deserving sinner.
0: Hello and welcome to Crosswalk surviving persecution. That's been the subject over the last few weeks in our series Survivor. We've been looking at trials and circumstances from the perspective of God's Word to see how God says we handle the events that come into our lives. In Acts 17, the Apostle Paul faced a form of persecution that would be similar to the type of persecution followers of Jesus in America might face today.
1: The question becomes, all right, how am I going to survive that? And again, in the Christian context, how do I thrive in that? Somebody comes against me. Somebody makes fun of me. Somebody doesn't like me at work. Somebody doesn't like me at school. Somebody wants to make fun of me because I say, whatever the case may be, how do I handle that? How do I honor God in the midst of that?
0: Pastor Clay has taken several weeks to walk through this subject of persecution because as followers of Jesus in a lost world, we have to begin to engage with people in the hopes that God will use us to reach them. That can open the door for ridicule and rejection from those we share with. But as we'll hear Pastor Clay say in today's message, we can't be afraid to share the truth with those around us. There's simply too much at stake. Now here's Pastor Clay. I want you to the
1: cross. This is now the fourth week we've been looking at uh, what will be a total of eight do's and don'ts, a list of do's and don'ts for surviving persecution uh, for being a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'll say it again: in the in in the economy of God, surviving means thriving. Surviving means victory, not just getting through. Okay, so th- there will be a total of eight do's and don'ts. And the first two weeks, at in the earlier part of Paul's this is about this story in Acts seventeen starts taking place about halfway through Acts seventeen, is the story of Paul's trip down to Athens. Uh, after he's been run out of uh, Berea and Thessalonica before then, and he, and he goes, he's sent down to Athens to, as I've said this, to lay low, just be cool, to your compadres, get there, to your posse shows up, and then you can go on from there and figure out what y'all are going to do. That's not how things turn out, because the Apostle Paul reports for duty every single day. And so, uh, in the first part of that section in Acts 17 that we looked at, we saw these four uh, do's and don'ts. For surviving persecution. We started with this. Don't be at ease with the lostness around you. The first key to surviving persecution. Is to just not be. And that's what we saw with the Apostle Paul. And as I said to you then. Man if you're just. If it just disturbs you. If it breaks your heart. That people around you are without a relationship with Jesus Christ. The persecution that may come to you as a result of that. Just won't matter. Because, because their eternal destiny is more important than what little bit of, of suffering or, or in our culture, what little bit of name-calling or whatever you might have to endure. So that's what we started with. Do be intentional about trying to engage people around you. So we saw all that Paul did, and you and I have to be intentional. We have to be thinking, God, I'm reporting for duty. What would you want to do with me? How do you use me? And then we just see what God does with it. Third, don't be surprised by persecution that comes against you. You shouldn't, you know, don't let it, oh my, oh, I didn't see that coming. Well, if you stand up for Jesus, you probably ought to see it coming. And fourth, do be ready for doors God will open. Do be ready for doors God will open. And it was that last part, and that's what we saw as we drew, I think, the end of verse 21 there. We saw that God was gonna, was fixing to open a door for Paul because of his willingness to engage the culture around him. And so, off of that, we kept, we brought out the the next two do's and don'ts that we looked at last week. But before we review those real quickly, I want to read those verses to you again. Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 22. Are y'all comfortable? <laughs> okay, well, if you are, uh, stand up today for the reading God's word. You know, I, I do that, I, I used to do it from time to time. And, uh, and Joe Sands reminded me a while back that, you know, we don't ever do that anymore. Now, I don't want to do it every week. Can I be honest with you? I don't want to do it every week um, because... God's Word is not honored because we stand or we don't stand. God's Word is honored if we obey it, okay? That's when God's Word is honored. But it's fine to stand, it's fine to sit. It's our response to the Word of God that matters. But today we're standing, so if you had to move your coffee to get up, I... Sorry. Acts 17, verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of the Oropagus. And we talked about this, this large rock where they met, we'll get to all that. And said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live And move and exist, as some of your own poets have said, for we are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or a stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer. But others said, We shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius the Oropagite, and a woman named Demaris, and others, with them. Last week, based off of that latter part, twenty-two through thirty-four, we looked at two more of the do's and don'ts. And the the uh, the fifth one in the in the total number uh, was was uh, this: don't be offensive. Don't be offensive. That's uh, that's critical. That you and I that as as I said last week, the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter both quote uh, the prophet Isaiah in, in saying that that. That Jesus would be a stumbling block. Jesus would be a a rock of offense. The message of the cross might be offensive to people, but you and I shouldn't be. That, as Paul writes in Colossians 4, 6, what does he say? He says this, let your speech always be with, say that word, grace. Say it again. Let your speech always be with grace. I don't even think that needs defining, right? I think you're going to, you know, man, sometimes my speech is not filled with grace. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt. That idea that, you know, I'm 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 looking at this thing. I'm 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 looking at each person. I'm checking out to see how God's going to work, so that you will know how to respond to each person. Because I tell you this: each person, every person, all every person is 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 lost without a relationship with Jesus Christ. But not all persons are in the same life situation. They don't have the same. Uh, upbringing or background or uh, haven't been through the same trials or circumstances that every almost every case individual case is individual and you and I need to approach that with uh, with grace with our with our our speech seasoned as salt so that we'll know how to respond to each and every person don't be offensive that that that's and I've seen people do it I've seen Christians do it and and feel somehow self-righteous because they've you know shared the gospel Okay, y'all know what I'm saying. All right, here's and then here was the second idea from last week. The sixth uh, from the list of do and don'ts. Do be theological. It's okay to be theological. Uh, people are so afraid of you know, but but to dive in there as the Apostle Paul did to these people and he walks them through. Hey, this unknown god, this altar you got set up here. Let me tell you something. And he goes into explaining who this god is. And as I said uh, last week, it's it, it's it's a we need to know God, but, but sometimes people know who is this God that we're talking about. And so Paul walks through just exactly who he is as creator, and he explains all that. that he's the one that created everything, and he's sovereign, he's in control, he's, he's, he's on his throne, he's in charge, and he's this personal God that, that's not far and distant, he's not uncaring, this God that will draw near unto you as you draw near unto him. is this God that wants you to know him, wants you to have this intimate relationship with him that 's who this God is, you guys got all these idols and all this stuff. What in the world make you think that that God would be something made by man, no man was made by God and and, and, and we 're we're designed we 're created to have this relationship with him so don 't be offensive, do be theological. Those were the two uh. Do's and don'ts we looked at last week, and so there's two more that we want to look at this morning, also from those verses 22 through 34, and the uh, what would essentially be the sixth, seventh one uh, this morning, the first one, new one this morning, is don't be afraid to speak the truth. Now watch this. We've been walking through with Paul as his, this interaction there in Athens and all that's gone on, first in the synagogues, in the marketplace, and then now he's been taken to Oropagus, to this hill where the Athenians and people from all over the Mediterranean meet just to talk about ideas and philosophies and all this kind of stuff. God's opened this door where he stands before all these hundreds, maybe thousands of people, and proclaims to them the, the, the gospel. God has clearly opened this door. He's approached it reverently and honorably. He hasn't been arrogant or, or presumptuous or anything like that. He's been very theological to them, but he's not afraid to speak the truth. Look at it in uh, verses 30 and 31, what he says. He says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should, what? Repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Paul has done everything. He's, set that he's, 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 he's been as godly about this whole thing. He's, he's done it exactly. He's watched as God's open doors. He's moved through those doors. He, he's, he's been honorable to them and all this kind of stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, whether people believe it or not, whether people want to hear it or not, whether you are persecuted or not, people need to know the truth. People need to know the truth. This, this knowledge that you and I have, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, this knowledge that we have is too important to keep silent about. It's too important to keep to ourselves because your neighbor's your co-workers, your family members, our friends, our associates, our, all these people are going to spend eternity. Not a hundred years, not a thousand years, not a million years, but they will spend eternity in a place separated from God, a place called hell, that the Bible calls hell. And you and I have to be unafraid to speak the truth to them because... The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, there is a judgment day coming. That's what Paul says. That is the truth. There is a judgment day coming. And, and people need to, as he says there, need to repent. They need to turn around and go in a new direction. Teenagers, adults, senior citizens, children need to understand that God's call is for me to stop doing life the way I've wanted or the way I've liked or what's felt best for me or what anybody else thought was for me. I have to turn around and I have to go in a new direction. That's literally what the word means, to turn around and go to a, in a new direction, to go in the direction where God wants me to go, what God has for my life, what God's expectations are for my life. I have to repent and place my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross whom God verified by raising him from the dead. And listen, I, I know, I mean, you could have, that's a... That's an old-fashioned message, right? I know that sounds old-fashioned. To to a lot of people, it probably sounds judgmental. But it doesn't change the fact that it's true. And you and I cannot be afraid to share the truth. Because Hebrews 9.27 is still universally true. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes, say that word, judgment. After that comes judgment. I, I know I've referenced this, I've said this before, but after all of the medical advances that we've made as a, as a culture and as a society, after all the technological and scientific advancements that we've made, after all the, all the advancements that have made, been made on sicknesses and on disease, and praise God for every single one of them, but after all of that, the death rate is still 100% on this planet. Every person will die, and after that, the judgment. That's the truth. And you and I cannot be afraid to share that that truth with people around us. Now, there are just a a few things about what Paul says there in those verses that I want to go over with you real quickly, just in case you might have questions about it. First one is there in the first part of verse 30, where Paul says, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance. Did you see that there in verse 30? Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance does not mean that God overlooked people's sins in that he over, they were no longer responsible for their sins. He got, it, Paul is not saying that those people that lived before the time of the cross were not responsible for their sins. It's not, it's not at all, actually, what that means. Romans chapter 1, quite honestly, is very clear, ladies and gentlemen. Romans chapter 1 says, "...because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them, meaning mankind in general, for since," watch this, "...for since the very beginning, the creation of the world, his invisible attributes..." His eternal power and His divine nature have been, what? Clearly seen. Clearly, not muddled, not... Well, I, I don't... Clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. In other words, the creation itself reveals a supernatural creator so that they are without excuse. It doesn't mean that that people before the cross got off the hook. Thank goodness I was born then. I don't I have to... No, no, no. There's a judgment coming for each person. What Paul is saying is that God is a patient and long-suffering God. And he has not yet brought his final wrath down on a sin-cursed world. But that day is coming. That's what he's saying. He, said, he says, God, he, 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 he's patient with men in their ignorance of him, even though they shouldn't have been ignorant of him. But he has been patient, not bringing the final judgment that has always been a part of his plan, not yet bringing that final judgment so that that men might turn to him and might repent. That's, That's what Paul is saying. Remember, Paul doesn't know when Jesus Christ is coming back, and neither do you and I. And so the same urgency that drove Paul to be willing to be persecuted for sharing the truth is the same urgency that should drive us because there is a judgment day coming. That's the truth. And you and I have to be willing to engage the world around us and to share this, this truth with people around us and, and, and let God be God and we'll talk about that and what he's going to do and all that sort of stuff. He's not, he's not saying he overlooked it in the sense that, oh, their sins don't matter. No, he's being patient, but his judgment is coming with the with the. With the the death of Christ on the cross, all with his resurrection, came the birth of the church. And we moved into this age, this, this, as is described in Scripture, these latter days, the, the last days before the return of Christ. Uh, God is moving this thing towards his whole conclusion. We talked about that in his sovereignty last week. He's moving it according to his plans. And that there is this final judgment that clearly is to come. And so the call right now is for men to repent, to turn to him. Let me, let me address that verse. Uh, which is the second thing I want to show you. God is now declaring, that latter part of verse 30, God is now declaring to men that all, everywhere, should repent. God is now declaring to men that all everywhere should repent. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my deepest biblical conviction that this is absolutely true. I addressed this briefly last week, but this is the truth, that God desires that all men would come into relationship with Him. In other words, it is my deepest conviction that God did not decide before eternity even began who was going to get into His heaven and who was not going to get into His heaven. What He decided before eternity began was how men and women could come into relationship with Him, that it would be through the sacrifice of His Son on the cross and not through somebody's good works, not through somebody's strong beliefs, not through somebody's amount of money, not through any of that stuff, but only through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ could any person, God is declaring to men that all everywhere should come into a relationship with Him. I think I will. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, the world that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John chapter 6, verse 40 for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Uh, John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. And then Romans uh, 10, uh, quoting Joel 2.32. Uh, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. God is declaring to men that all men everywhere should repent, turn around, turn away from their life and come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The gospel, the invitation to the gospel is open to anyone and everyone. Doesn't matter your skin color, doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, doesn't matter what language you speak or what country you're born in, the gospel is for you and for me and for everyone. Jeez, play. (laughs) All right, why well, are you making such a big deal about that? Let me tell you why this is such a big deal to me. Because if, if you believe that God chose everybody that would get into his heaven before they were ever born, before they were, their parents were ever before, before eternity ever began, if you believe that God chose them, now I understand God knows everyone who will come into a relationship with him, but if you believe that God chose in advance who gets in and, and who doesn't, then as best I could understand that, there's no room for a burden for the loss there. There's still room for obedience to God. God says, share Christ, so I should share Christ. But there's no room for burden anymore. There's no room to care about the loss because if they're already decided beforehand, then what difference does it make? Why why should I care if if God didn't care about those ones he didn't choose to begin with? And without a burden, I'm just going to tell you that without a burden, you and I most likely are going to struggle with the idea of sharing our faith. That's, that's why I keep saying, I've said it a couple weeks ago, I've written about it in, in a pastor's perspective article, I've said something about it, but that's why this idea of hashtag ask the question, where will this person spend eternity? Because that question is based on burden. It's based on caring about this man, this woman, this girl, this boy, this person, down on their luck, whatever the case may be. I have to have a burden for those around me. I have to, as I've been saying for the last couple weeks, somebody's got to give a rip that the world is lost and going to hell. And the people that have to do that—if you know Christ, you got the assignment. We have to have this this burden. By the way, I, I I hope that you have already gone to our website and and filled out your order form for your hashtag. Ask the question T-shirt. Not making you know, it's not it's not about making money or any of that kind of stuff. It's just about trying to uh, visually uh, be a way of saying yes, I am making this commitment. I am gonna every time I meet a person, uh, and I try and do that. But I've really since I've since I've uh, uh, Sent this out to you guys. I've really tried to think about it every time when she and I are in Walmart yesterday or wherever we are. I, I try and look at the person. Not every opportunity presents itself, but I'm trying to, to train my mind to every person I run into and to be asking myself in my head, Where will this person spend eternity? Folks, we got to care. We've got to care. We got to care. And if we care, we'll speak the truth. Okay, one more, uh, third, third statement there. Having furnished proof to all men by, by what, by how? By raising him from the dead. Look what he says. Having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I've said this many times. You guys have heard me say this. If you, if you attend here very regularly, you know that you've heard me say this. This is it. Everything rises or falls on the resurrection. The resurrection is the key to, to this whole thing with Christianity. This, this is what it's all about. This is the evidence, this is the proof that, that the resurrection is what, what all of this rises or falls on. The, the empirical evidence, the proof of the resurrection and what that means for our, our lives. The Apostle Paul said as much in his first letter to the church in Corinth when he said this, he says, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? Watch his argument now. For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is, what's that word? Useless. And your faith is useless. Useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than all men. If this is it, if this is, the, if this is it, see, it's the resurrection, ladies and gentlemen. That's the key regardless all the arguments for the existence of God and I love all that stuff and I study that stuff and I'm into it and apologetics and everything else but it all comes down to the resurrection that's why there's always been such an effort to try and explain away the empty tomb that's why there's always been an effort to try and come up with some uh, explanation for what happened to the body because no resurrection Jesus was just a good guy I think he had some good ideas about how, how, how people ought to treat each other that's nice uh, they 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 killed him over it. that's what they do when people try to be nice try to tell you how to how to treat people uh, they they killed him over it but we don't need to trust him as savior he certainly wasn't god if he didn't rise from the dead you see you understand why this is critical why 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 this hangs on the resurrection of jesus christ that's why they that's why they're like oh resurrection now you might say well what about the cross i i, th- I thought the cross was i thought the cross was critical to my salvation it is the cross is critical to our salvation and I have no doubt that Paul preached the cross there on Mars Hill. He would have had to have in order to set a context for why Jesus Christ was killed in the first place and then rose from the grave. I have no doubt that Paul pe- preached the cross but, but it's the resurrection that, that, that hangs some of them up. Here's the distinction. The cross is critical for our salvation but here's the distinction, ladies and gentlemen. You might want to fill in a blank. The cross paid the sin debt the empty tomb proved the sin debt was paid. You understand? Yeah, the cross paid the debt. Yeah, There's no question about that. Not my good works, not my baptism, not my whatever. The cross paid the sin debt, but the, but the empty tomb, that's what Paul was saying there in Corinthians. If Paul, if, if, if Jesus did not rise rose from the dead, we're still in our sins. But it's the proof, it's the evidence that God the Father accepted the, the perfect sacrifice of his son to be the atonement for your sin and for mine. It's the resurrection. And you and I have to be willing to share that truth. Uh, Romans one sixteen. you know this, many of you know this verse, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believed, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, to the to the non-Jew. Listen, I know I've got to move on, let me just say this, it will always be easier, it will always be easier to talk to people about what they want to talk about, it will always be easier to talk to people, to give people what they want to hear. I, I'm a, you can fill churches up giving people what they want to hear. Just ask Joel Osteen. But you and I are called to speak the truth. And not everybody is gonna accept it. All right, we'll we'll get to that. Because the next Obvious question will be, what if what if somebody doesn't want to hear? All right, you're telling me I need to have a burden. You're telling me I need to, to care and, and that, that helps me in, in cases of persecution and being made fun of or laughed at in our culture and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I get it, but, but what if they don't want to hear? That's our last item in our list of do's and don'ts and it is this. Do be faithful and leave the results to God. That's it, folks. Do be faithful and leave the results to God. I could stop right there. Many of you probably wish I would. I won't. Verse 32, look, 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 look. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead. That's it, folks, that's it. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, we'll hear you again concerning this, Paul. So Paul went out of their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. <laughs> How many came to believe? We, we don't know. Almost certainly it was the minority. But you know what? The results are in God's hands. I, I said a moment ago that any person come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I absolutely believe that. But, but no person comes into a relationship with Jesus uh, uh, by themselves. They don't come into a relationship with Jesus apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Nobody just decides, well, okay, I, I'm going to get saved. No, salvation is a work of God. It's a work that God does. I just am of the belief that he desires to do that in every single person's heart and life. But, almost certainly, it was the minority of people. But, ladies and gentlemen, and listen, I know this is true. Uh, it's true for me. I'm sure it's true for you. If, when you share, we, we want to see people come to Christ, right? We want to see people give their life to Jesus Christ. But I'm just going to tell you, it's God's business. It's not ours. Our business is to report for duty and open our mouth and share. Speak the truth when we have the opportunity and leave the results in God's hands. He's the one that does it. Now, what's interesting about this is that you see, basically see three responses to Paul's message that he brings that day uh, on Mars Hill. You see three responses, and they're the exact same three responses that you and I will see if we uh, begin to speak up, if we have this burden and we speak up and we share with others, you'll, we'll see basically the same three responses. The first uh, response uh, is this, rejection of the message, closed to the truth. The truth is, the majority of people that you and I share, or at least in my experience, the majority of people that I have shared with in my life, shared Christ with, have not accepted Him as their Savior. Most people reject the message of, of the cross. That's just, that's just what's been my personal experience. And you and I have to understand that that's going to be the case. That some people, it's, it's rejection. They're closed to the idea. And not everyone is going to come to Christ. Jesus said as much Uh, Perhaps you've read this passage of Scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. Now look at the contrast. For the gate is small and the way is narrow. Only through Christ, right? That leads to life. And there are few who find it. And that's that's just the truth. Listen, I wish that wasn't true. And if I understand the, the nature of God, he wishes it wasn't true. He says in Ezekiel, I said, do you think I take any delight in the death of the wicked? But rather that they would repent, that they would come to me. But this is the truth. Honestly, a lot of people will just reject it. But that's not your business, is it? Whose business is it? It's God's business. What's our business? That's right. Show up, speak the truth, leave the results in God's hands. Some people, they're just it. Here's the second response that you'll get. Reflection on the message. Consider the truth. Did you see it in there where, where, where some of them said, nah, we'll, we'll hear some more about this, Paul. we'll, we'll hear some more on this. We're, we're not sure whether we, we believe what you have to say. It's, it's interesting. It's, it, it's, it's something we haven't heard before. And we're not sure what to think of it, but, but we're willing to consider it. We're willing to think about this. We're willing to hear you again on this, Paul. That's, that's what you'll find. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes people have to think about what you've shared with them. Some people have to reflect on it. They have to chew on it. They have to think about it. And can I say this to you? That's not necessarily a bad thing because it means that they recognize the implications of what we've shared with them, the implications of that for their life. They understand what that means for their life and, and, and the implications for it. It's not necessarily a bad thing that they want to consider it because the, the, the call to come to Christ, listen, it is, not a, it is not a simple matter when a person gives their life to Jesus Christ. I'll just tell, that, tell you this, evangelicals historically, uh, particularly th- throughout the 60s and 70s and, and 80s, kind of made it seem that way. There's, oh, just, just just pray this prayer, come down the aisle, and you're good to go. And that is not the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a bad thing for people to reflect. It It, it, it is not a, it's not a simple thing. It's, not a, it's, not a, it's a sobering reality when a person says, hey, I'm going to come to Christ, because if they really understand the gospel, they understand that what they're saying is, I'm nailing my rights to the cross God my life is given to you I surrender it to you you take my life you do with me as you please you take me where you want to go you use me for your kingdom purposes God I surrender everything to you isn't that how the old hymn goes all to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live you want to sing the chorus I surrender all it. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. The song doesn't go, I surrender some. Some to Jesus I surrender, some to Him I reluctantly give. No, no, it, 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 this is the call, of the gospel. So if somebody says, man, I... I Kayla, I'm I'm not sure, I'm I'm hearing you, but I'm not sure, but I want to chew on that a while. while. That's that's great. And we pray for them, and we, we take opportunity to share with them again when they're ready. But who has the results? God does. God does. So there's the rejection, there's the reflection, and there's one more, there's the reception of the message. Some of them came to the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Now, again, it was a minority, and all all Paul says some came to believe. As I said, almost certainly it was a a minority, but interestingly enough, two particular people are are named by name. Two people are named by name, which I think is fascinating in the midst of that. Some believed, among whom was Dionysius the Oropagite, whom in my research this week I I discovered supposedly in, in historical records, uh, uh, Dionysius the Oropagite was a uh, supreme court justice of the city of Athens. A man of high influence, high intellect, high education, high status, well-off, well-to-do, and Damaris, a woman named Damaris, someone of whom we know virtually nothing about. This is it. This is, in fact, is all we know of Damaris. She, she, she believed Paul's message. Now, the fact that Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, mentions Damaris by name may mean that she was a prominent citizen in the Athenian culture. She may have been well known by the upper crust of the Athenian culture. That's probably true. But my baptized imagination wants to believe that Damaris was a little servant girl who was waiting on her master that day, who heard the message and came to Christ, thereby showing that the gospel is for everybody, that it doesn't matter your social status, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter any of that stuff. As I have said before, you can be down and out or up and out, but either way, you're out without Jesus. And those two and a few more came to know Christ as Savior. You know what? It's God's business. You and I simply proclaim the truth, unafraid, unashamed, willing to share it. Here's Here's my challenge to you this morning as we close. Are you willing to be faithful to share the truth and leave the results in God's hands? Folks, we cannot sit on the sidelines when the world is dying and going to hell. We have to engage the culture around us in some way. And so my challenge to each one of us here today, are you willing to be faithful to share the truth as as opportunity presents itself and you're looking for those opportunities. Remember, that's one of the, those do's and don'ts we looked at. You're looking for those opportunities, you're intentional about it, and you're willing to leave the results in God's hands. And I'm challenging you to, I'm challenging you to hashtag ask the question, to, to have a burden and say, where will this person I work with spend eternity? Where will this classmate of mine spend eternity? Where will this neighbor spend eternity? To ask that question over and over and over again and build that burden and be willing to step up and speak the truth and say, listen, let me tell you what God's done in my life. Now, Here at Cross Culture Church, we've been doing this a long time. We've been setting up and tearing down every week for a long time. We've been been singing songs and praising God. We've been teaching the truth of God's Word to children, to teenagers, to adults. We've sent people here, there, and everywhere sharing the message of the gospel. We've engaged the schools around here. We've engaged the community around us. Some of us have even picked up trash on Westgate Road. But can I say this to you? The gospel is worth it. The gospel is worth it. Honestly, not everybody's hung with us in this thing. But the results are in God's hands. He's the one that does it. I, some of you can identify with this. I've been some places in the world. I've been here, there, and everywhere on a mission trips. Praise God, I've had the opportunity to do that. I've been some places where, where, I, where the gospel has been presented and very few people responded. And I've been other places where so many people responded that I wondered whether they actually understood what I said. I have, I don't know, preached hundreds, thousands of sermons. And, and at the end of service, at, at an altar call time, I, I have preached uh, messages where the altar will be, would be full of people responding to the message of the gospel and the message that they've heard that day. And I've preached many more times where not a soul has moved to come forward to the altar. And I'll just be honest with you here's what I'm saying to you that if, that if I gauged my willingness to, to speak the truth and, and engage the world around me by the response that I've had to that, I'd have been selling used cards a long time ago. Results are in God's hands. Our job is to report for duty, show up, care enough to share, speak the truth. And can I say this to you? You may be persecuted for your faith in Jesus Christ, for your willingness to speak up. You you may. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You You may get laughed at or mocked. You may get made fun of. You may be called a Bible thumper. You may experience something even worse than that, depending on what part of the world that it would take place. But I'll say it again. The gospel is worth it.
0: Did everyone that heard Paul's message respond to the gospel? Obviously not. We don't know the exact number, but almost certainly it was a small number of people. But that's really not our business, is it? The results of sharing the truth are in God's hand. Our responsibility is to care enough to share, enough for God to work in a person's heart and life. Often we think we have to be clever, say just the right thing that will cause a person to respond. But our call is to communicate the truth. That's it. We may face persecution for speaking the truth, but God uses our obedience to draw people to himself. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God.
1: My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety.
0: Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis.
1: What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores.
0: I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore.
1: You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get get it from clay stevens they can order this book out of their catalogs that they get
0: get your copy today discover the promises of god and the steps you need to take to get it Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculture.church.
1: I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed.
0: Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Taking the cross to
1: our culture and taking our culture to the cross.